Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And we are back. Kevin's Corner on a Wednesday afternoon. It is Titans week here. Game does seem to lack a little bit of juice, maybe compared to other Titans meetings. We can get into that. I'm a little bit later in the podcast. It is a wounded Tennessee bunch coming to Lucas Oil Stadium. I feel like them and the Chargers have probably been the most prominent in the injury category here early in the season. I've got a lot to get to on today's podcast. Jelani Woods interview. If you missed that on our morning show, Kevin and Query will play that right before Twitter questions. Um, So definitely want to do that. Get a little bit more into the offensive line. Uh, chatter, the pass protection chatter, the areas, you know, blame, uh, where do you kind of place that right now? And then obviously, uh, while it might lack a little national juice, this is massive on Sunday when you look at the AFC South standings and where things are right now for the Colts. I want to begin here, and Eddie, I appreciate you texting me a little bit ago and wanting to mention this. We're very fortunate on the podcast to have listeners you know, frankly, all around the world, um, but definitely all around the United States and um, in the state of Florida. And I texted one of my good buddies earlier today who lives, I think, a little bit more kind of in the Braindon area, uh, but really thinking about him and just everybody in the path of Hurricane Ian right now. Uh, As we record this, it's pretty much made landfall in that Tampa area, I guess a little bit east of Tampa, maybe if you want to get technical on it. But um I don't know, Eddie, how you feel, but it's just so foreign to me, like hurricanes. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, probably tornadoes would feel that way to people um, in other parts of our country. Uh, But just texting with him this morning, I'm like, yeah, you know, we did this to the shutters and laid some sand outside and bags of sand. It's just like, wow, that's just stuff that um, you just don't even think of. So, um, obviously, some thoughts to everybody out there, and hopefully this thing starts to weaken and... Um, the path of the storm does not lead to the type of damage that unfortunately it looks like it could uh, could become in Florida's way. Yeah, um, totally with you there, KB. Um, Brendan King has been featured on this podcast before, correct? Brendan King has been, yes. Um, I texted him earlier today because his parents live down in Naples. Oh, wow. Um, he said they went to Miami for the week. He said they're so they're safe. They put the uh, hurricane shutters up before they left, so they protected as much as they could. Um, also texted Bob Lovell. People in the state sure. of Indiana are very familiar with Bob Lovell. The icon. Um, correct. His daughter lives down there in Naples. Um, he said they're all safe. They're all here in Indy with him and his wife. So everyone that I know that's in that area is somewhat safe right now. So I just hope anyone that is listening to the pod that their families are also safe. Or if you uh, yourself as a listener live in that area that you were also um, taking shelter and are safe as well. Yeah, and obviously people that you just don't have the ability to get out of those areas thinking about them majorly um no real easy transition i will throw in a shameless plug eddie brendan king and myself are going to be doing a little friday night football i heard that this friday uh you excited i i, I didn't know you could do this i i didn't know either <laughs> but <laughs> when the boss texts you and asks you just say yes i'm really excited uh eagle or uh, eagles i guess they are the eagles uh zinesville and brownsburg uh so for those that are Outside of this viewing or listening area, that would be Zionsville and Brownsburg, a couple suburbs, uh, one west, one, I guess, northwest of Indianapolis. And Zionsville is where Adam Vinatieri's son used to kick and where T.Y. Hilton's son is one of their better wideouts. So uh, looking forward to that matchup. Brownsburg is the top team right now in the biggest class in the state of Indiana. So anybody driving around on Friday night, 
7 o'clock. Eddie Garrison's been on this year, filling in for Brendan King, and uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Can't wait to listen to you and uh, BK Friday night. So uh, let's, let's just hop into Titans preview. Yeah. Uh, what, what's kind of your thoughts about the Titans heading into this game? You know, again, they're just a wounded bunch, man. And, and you know, if you go back to the A.J. Brown trade, I mean, think about what they look like as a number one seed in the AFC last year and what they look like now. With losing A.J. Brown and then losing to injury, Harold Landry and Taylor Lewan, um here in the last month or so, Basically, Eddie, it would be like the Colts losing Michael Pittman, Yannick Ngakwe, and Braden Smith. Yeah. I mean, we did our most indispensable Colts at the start of the year. I had Pittman one. I had, you know, Ngakwe like six or seven, I think. And then Braden Smith probably if should have been in the top ten, frankly, but he's knocking on that door. Like, those are three really important players at mm-hmm. three really important spots. We're not talking about, again, you know, a safety or a guard or, you know, maybe positions that don't matter as much as others. So, uh, when I saw the Titans sign LaRaven Clark this week to their 53-man roster, that's when I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> I didn't know he was still in the league. I thought he was retired. Yeah, Phillies or... practice squad, I want to say. not One of the nicest dudes I've ever met, but... Um, if he is starting a left tackle, Yannick Ngakwe should be very, very happy about that matchup. You know, obviously Jim Irsay has gone very public in his comments about Tennessee and the importance. He made that very clear to his team on the first night of training camp at Grand Park. Um, they've won the division each of the last two years. They've been the most consistent team in the division, I, I would say, probably dating back really to Mike Vrabel's hire. And I think Reich does not like to see the trajectory of how Titans Colts have gone since Vrabel and Reich became their respective head coaches. You know, the Colts won the first three meetings. I think back to the end of the season in 2018 mm-hmm. when you won down there to get in the playoffs. It was a you know, win-and-get-in type game. And then since then, uh, the Colts won one more in 2019, and they have lost four of their last five. I feel like the games have been pretty close. You had that one weird COVID game here. No Buckner, no Autry, no Jonathan Taylor. And the Titans won that going away. Um, you know, I sit here early in the week, Eddie, and I'm curious your thoughts. Colts are favored by three and a half, I think, is last I saw. Still three and a half. I, I guess I'm going to give my prediction a little bit early. I would take the Colts and the points in that. Um, again, I think Tennessee is really beat up. And Derrick Henry has just kind of looked... Pedestrian, yeah. Yeah, and to say that about Henry, you know, Henry, I've always felt this about him, Eddie. He needs a head of steam. He needs a little bit of green grass to get going downhill, and now all of a sudden you got 250 pounds, you know, just coming right at you, and, you know, he's obviously got great speed for a guy that that size. I just don't think their offensive line has been capable this season of producing that. Um, I think they're 27th in yards per carry this season, and the Colts are the number one run defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the best player on the football team this year has been Grover Stewart, and I just see him, you know, think about it. Henry, ideally, this is not a guy that's just bouncing everything off tackle. He wants to do some damage in between the tackles, and I just don't see Grover Stewart allowing that to happen. And I know it's kind of weird to bottle it down to just that point, but I feel very confident in the Colts' ability to do that um no i didn't see jonathan taylor at practice today we'll wait for the official injury report sometimes comes during the show on these wednesday afternoon podcasts but 
Uh, I would assume Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines, the company, will love to see that this is the worst run defense in the NFL and the Tennessee Titans through three weeks. Um, so I think when you look at all that, I feel pretty good about the Colts in this one. I do too. Um, when and especially when you look at their secondary, I know they have a couple of very very young corners. I know Stephon Diggs really carved them up. Um, Is Christian with, Fulton still around? <laughs> I don't. I think so. I think he's one of those two starting corners. I know. I feel like it's been like so much hope for him where they drafted him and just hasn't panned out. And didn't they get the Farley kid out of Virginia Tech? Uh, yes. Right. I believe so. Um, yeah, Fulton is still there. I know that. You know that it's just. I I don't see Farley in their most recent game log now. I'll say this, Eddie, about Tennessee and just about the AFC South coming up here in the next month. While I do think the Colts have a very good chance of getting a win on Sunday, and I think outside of a lot of self-inflicted stuff, they will get that done. Look at how the division is mapped out now. You have. Um, the Colts at 0-1-1, or excuse me, yeah, 0-1-1 in the division. Um, you have Jacksonville at 1-0, and you have Tennessee yet to play. If your goal, or you assume the Colts will beat the Jags here coming up in a few weeks, that all of a sudden puts two teams there um, split head-to-head. So now you go to divisional record, and Jacksonville would be 1-1, and and the Colts would be 1-1-1. Uh, if they were indeed to win that game. So that game will mean more than this one if you think Jacksonville's going to be there at the end of the year. But you don't want to squander this one at home because the next time you play Tennessee coming up in a few weeks, they've got to buy the week prior. Um, so I, you just don't want to play with fire. And the Colts need to protect home field. They especially need to do it within their own division. And from a math standpoint, this is a massive game. I mean, if you looked at you know divisional odds in late September – I would think this one would have a pretty significant shift one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like 80 to 30 or something like that, but it's probably going to be something in the, I don't know, 10 to 15% change with a win or a loss, maybe more than that, uh, because of who the opponent is, the two missed opportunities you got in the first two weeks of the season. So, huge one for the Colts. To kind of go back to what I was saying about the Titans, and you look at last week, the Raiders, yes, they had Devontae Adams, but. Adams wasn't the receiver that really killed him. It was Mac Hollins. He had eight catches, 158 yards, and a lot of that was done vertically down the field. And if I remember correctly on that Monday night game against Buffalo, the primary work of Stephon Diggs was along the sideline and down the field. So part of me seems to believe that this could be an Alec Pierce game based on how they utilized him last week, maybe get him a little confidence. And you can see Dan Orlovsky put a video about uh, on this on Twitter earlier that the connection between Ryan and Pierce seems to be stronger than what people realize because on that touchdown drive when he threw the not really a back shoulder but was a outbreaking route sure. toward the sideline he threw that before Pierce got out of the out of his route and before even well before that so you can kind of see that there is some chemistry there and if Pierce is that guy they need to have to be the down the field target I think this could be a good game for him yeah I think I mentioned this a little bit on Monday Eddie the Pierce go ball that you saw backed up on the own goal line, that play needs to be in the playbook every week. Yes. And I would throw probably two of those every week. Obviously, the thinking is Pierce is going to come down with them, you know, and, yeah. and he does. He has that ability to do it. But if nothing else, what you're doing then 
is sending a message to that Chiefs corner. I'd probably have to go back and look. I don't know if it was the same corner um, that was guarding him on that play that you're talking about in the final drive of the game. But you're putting on film. You're sending a message to the entire league. I've got this in my repertoire. And so if you're going to take that away, then that little comeback route or that out route, whatever you want to call it, that's going to be there, and yeah. that's going to be an easy pitch and catch from a timing standpoint. So I do think that was huge from Pierce. Um, so, yeah, I, I Vrabel comes from obviously the heavy New England background. You know full well he will commit a lot to try and take away Jonathan Taylor with how poor they've been against the run. I would assume some safety help over the top for Michael Pittman, and we'll see if um, the others can uh, help out uh, here in a 1 o'clock kick from Lucas Oil. I know the big topic of conversation uh, with the coaches and players this week has been offensive line. So, kind of, what are your thoughts right now about the Colts' line heading into Week Four? Yeah, I just got a couple more things to add from Monday, Eddie. One is, I think if you boil it down to what is the root, what is the leading cause, is probably the better way to put it. What is the leading cause for the issues right now in protection? If I can just Boil it down to one word, it'd be a communication. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people have seen the Nick Bolton right up the middle hits Ryan on a play when Ryan Kelly slides over to Danny Pinter. As I'm watching that, I'm thinking to myself, Ryan Kelly helping out on Danny Pinter when Chris Jones is opposite Pinter makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. I would assume the thought was Jonathan Taylor would step up and take that blitzer. And I want to hit on something real quick. Uh, Marcus Brady spoke to you guys yesterday and when he spoke he talked about communication between not only the offensive line and the quarterback but he threw in the running back in there too and and mentioned taylor by name yes and that is a terrific observation by you that uh, when we talk communication so many oftentimes the accounter for the free rusher is the running back or a tight you know somebody on the edge and I felt like from when I say communication, that means that, yes, the five in front of Matt Ryan, but it can also mean an extra tight end or an extra running back. Um, and listening to Frank Reich today, while Tennessee might not have, you know, and to be fair, their defense, yes, they've lost Landry, but they still got some dudes on that side of the ball. They disguise and they pressure about as well as, you know, I would say they disguise about as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. Pressure probably not. But they will make you look bad if you don't have this corrected. And you know full well they're going to press the Colts and challenge the Colts in that area. And if there's a weakness right now of the Colts' offensive line, personnel-wise, again, probably Danny Pinter, Jeffrey Simmons, who the Colts absolutely loved coming out Mm -hmm. of Mississippi State in the draft process, and Danico Autry are going to do everything they can to create some of those matchups and take advantage. So I do think that is something just to note of. Um, again, the root of it to me is communication. I know we'll get questions about personnel when it gets to Twitter time. We can talk about that. There's obviously issues in personnel too. Um, but I would point more towards just communication. And I almost feel like, and this might sound glass half full, but Eddie, that's a little bit more of a calming feeling than I than I feel like the issues are just like four guys that are absolutely failing one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Are there guys struggling one-on-one? Sure. But this is the NFL and those dudes are freaks on the other side of the ball and breakdowns in one-on-one happen. You can't have the breakdowns in communication. No. Because you're not dynamic enough as pass catchers. You don't want Matt, Matt Ryan patting the ball all day long. You cannot have that. And you weren't supposed to have that either. Um, and as I said on Monday, if you look at it, this cannot be a situation where all of a sudden this continues because Nick Foles will start games for the Colts this season. If you look deeper at the analytics... Um, 
I, I looked it up on, um, it might have been just after Monday's show, 2018, first allowed in sacks, Andrew Luck, Frank Wright combo. Obviously, they settled on that O-line kind of mid-October. The next year, Jacoby Brissett, they were ninth in sacks allowed. The next year, with Phillip Rivers, they were second in sacks allowed. And then with Wentz, I think they were ninth or tenth. If you look at where Matt Ryan and how quickly he's getting the ball out, it's kind of smack dab in between the middle of that foursome. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit slower than Luck and Rivers, a little bit faster than Bursette and Wentz. So it's not like he's holding onto the ball longer than Bursette and Wentz did. Um, It's mostly what is happening in front of them that is being the major culprit there. Now, is it that or is it? Receivers not also getting open. Yeah, and I think we, I think we had a Twitter question maybe a little Possibly. bit on that on Monday. I, I don't want to like act like that is not an issue. I don't want it to act like that is the entire issue either, because again, the free rushers are still coming, and it's Correct. not like if guys are, you know, it's not like oh yeah, you wanted Ashton Doolin to stay in and chip on that play. No, no, no. Like <laughs> the, the, that's that's not what where I'm going with it. So. Um, this can be said for so many things in life, particularly in sports. The blame is usually not just one thing. There are several yeah. items that you can put on the blame list, but if you're going to put something atop of it, and honestly, it's probably the most correctable, it would be communication of just let's all breathe, let's all make sure that during the week we're getting on the same page and come game day, Matt Ryan and Ryan Kelly are doing their job of getting everybody on the same page, and Jonathan Taylor involved in that as well. Or Naheem Hines, or whichever back it is that's in there that has to help in pass protection, uh, picking up blitzes. Yes, and, you know, Hines, I feel like when he's on the field, he's a little more split out. Yeah. You know, not just in that natural running back lined-up position. Which I just didn't want to single out JT. Sure, no, and, and clearly there's plays where both of them are in the backfield. There's plays where sometimes Kylan Grants is in the backfield, you know, things like that, and just a chip here. And the beauty of it, though, is... You know, you aren't playing. Harold Landry's not over there. So how dynamic they can be mm-hmm. is a little bit restricted on that front. But doesn't sound like personnel changes. We'll get more into that in Twitter questions. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to cover that quickly on the O-line. Should we do the Jelani Woods interview? Yeah, let's do it. Again, this was Jelani Woods with us earlier. Um, Kevin and Query, that is our morning show here locally, 7 to 10 a.m., um, so the other voice you'll hear will be Jake Query. Here was the Colts rookie tight end, and I began with him and asking him if he felt more pressure on the final drive of the game or when all of a sudden everybody in the locker room's yelling, speech! I would definitely say uh, after a game, giving the speech, that was that was pretty, you know, kind of intense. Just, uh, just a lot of emotion going on. Uh, throughout the locker room, man, you know, just wanted to make one that was, you know, kind of rememberable and, you know, not mess up with all the cameras around. Did you know that you were going to be the target on that second down from Matt Ryan? Obviously, when you go back and look at the play, there's a ton of attention towards Michael Pittman. So I'm sure there's part of you that thinks, hey, it's going to be a one-on-one opportunity. But did Matt say anything to you in the huddle? Like, hey, uh, watch out. We're going to be coming your way. Uh, it's it's kind of one of those plays that we worked on throughout the week, and that uh, it was either an option with uh, me or uh, Pitt, and it's pretty much uh, whoever got open uh, be able to get the opportunity, and I, uh, you know, just tried to do my job pretty much and get open for. Them. Now, Jelani, I'm going to ask you, pepper you with questions here that have nothing to do with football, so we can get to know you a little bit. 
Okay. But, but I'm going to start with a football question, and that's this. It's well documented that you were a quarterback, obviously playing in high school. You threw for nearly 2,000 yards. I mean, you had some big seasons playing quarterback. But as a tight end, is there a benefit to playing tight end having been a quarterback? And by that I mean, does it give you a better understanding – when plays are breaking down of what the quarterback would be seeing or anticipating and thus allowing you to know as a a target where to go and how to kind of telepathically work with what the quarterback would be anticipating? Uh, it definitely does um, because, um, like you said, me being in that situation before, I kind of know exactly like what's in uh, Matt's mindset and I got a general idea and then, you know, just trying to be able to uh, work with him on getting open or like uh, what we call a scramble drill and trying to find a hole in the defense or something and, you know, make a play. Colts third round pick from this past April. He is Jelani Woods and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jelani, kind of building off that, again, you're a quarterback at Oklahoma State and you shared this story during the draft process, but if you don't mind, please share it for our listeners. It was Bedlam week, right? Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and all of a sudden you were asked to play scout team tight end to replicate now Ravens tight end Mark Andrews, and they couldn't cover you, and the rest is history? Uh, yes, sir. That was pretty much exactly uh, how it went. And then uh, throughout the week, they're really good uh, tight end. And, and they called me in, I think, that Sunday morning. Um, pretty much just asked me to, to uh, could I switch to tight end. And I really didn't have any problem with it because, you know, it, it was fun. And I just wanted to get on the field at the time. Uh, so that next year, I ended up uh, being playing at tight end, playing that whole season at tight end, and then just pretty much kind of ran with it. If you were rewarded Jelani Woods for catching the game-winning touchdown and Jim Irsay, who is a fan of music, said to you, Jelani, in the offseason, I am going to send you to go see the musical act of your choice in your favorite city, so long as they're playing there. You would pick what artist to see in concert and in what city would you enjoy it? Uh, I would say ah, that's, a, that's a hard question because I'm kind of a – Big music guy, so I like a lot of artists. But uh, I would probably say uh, Larry June and uh, probably San Francisco. I kind of, you know, starting to be heavy on him a lot because he's a really good artist. Why San Francisco? Uh, that's where he's at in the Bay Area. So Got that's it. where. That's cool. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Jelani Woods is with us here again on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Two touchdowns. On Sunday, Jelani, uh, we've been told, and I think I hope it's not someone in- impersonating your father. We've been told that your dad, Gregory Woods, listens to this show. I'm sure there's times he's probably rolled his eyes at a few of the comments that I've made. Uh, did you know that your father listens to this show? No, I didn't know, but yeah, he, I think he told me recently that he did. So <laughs> he had me uh, kind of laughing a little bit, but. So we yeah, can verify this is dad. actually your dad and not someone posing as your father, correct? Like, like yeah. a no Manti Teo situation is what you're saying. No, no, that's my dad. Now, yeah. was the family in attendance on Sunday? No, it was not. Unfortunately, uh, my whole family came to Jacksonville because the Jacksonville game, you know, of course, it's not that far from Atlanta, so sure. uh, uh, they came to that one. But 
at least they got to see, you know, it on TV, though. Now, if you're talking about Bay Area rappers, for me, and I'm old, Jelani. Jelani Woods of the Colts is our guest on the Payless Liquors guest line. Uh, Too Short was always, like, I loved Too Short when I was in high school. He's out of Oakland. Uh, okay. Does that make me too old? No, definitely not. I, I, I have a couple of Too Short songs that I feel like to this day that, you know, I got that. I kind of want to stay. I flip back and forth at times for old school, new school. But, uh, yeah, I would add too short in my list as well. What do you most enjoy so far? And I realize that you have not had probably a lot of time to, to go out and explore it. But with the city of Indianapolis, I think this is going to be a long-term home for you. I think fans are excited about Jelani Woods playing here, especially after Sunday. What things would you most want to kind of wrap your arms around in terms of the, the people in the culture of Indianapolis? Or what things have you been able to do and enjoy where you thought this place is pretty cool? I would definitely say, like, with me, I'm a big uh, community service type of guy. So I like helping with, uh, you know, just the different activities that the coach provides. So just getting to interact with fans, uh, you know, just uh, being personable and things like that kind of have a big uh, a big thing for So that would be pretty much like the biggest, just, you know, enduring the whole city is just, you know, um, I would say just, you know, honing in on the city and kind of just uh, being there and, you know, just, you know, just being with the city pretty much, with the, the uh, other players and with the uh, fans and everything like that. Your favorite restaurant so far in Indianapolis? Say your favorite restaurant? Uh, I say the Hyatt Steakhouse. Okay. Or the Hyatt, wherever, Hyatt Place. I can't remember the name. but If uh, they were going to open a varsity here like they have in Atlanta, would you be down for that? Oh, definitely. Always. <laughs> and then where's uh, the place in Stillwater we're supposed to ask them about? Oh, Eskimo Joe's. Just, uh, Stillwater's Eskimo Jump Joe's a Little Juke Joint. Good. Yeah, Eskimo Joe's is pretty good. It is pretty good. That's one place that if you haven't been in Stillwater, you should go first. Now, Jelani, is it true that when you were growing up, and you mentioned in the Atlanta area, that in the backyard you would act like you were Matt Ryan and not necessarily Tony Gonzalez? Yeah, it was definitely. I would say I would say both. Okay. Because Tony, Tony was one of my favorites as well. But uh, definitely uh, at like Matt Ryan, I feel like a lot of people did. So uh, if, if it wasn't Matt Ryan, then it was Roddy White or Michael Turner, uh, uh, guys like that. But generally, you see a lot, a good amount of Matt Ryan jerseys around the city. So, you know what's interesting to me, Jelani, is that you come in as a rookie into a position room that was kind of wide open because Jack Doyle had left, Moali Cox was obviously the incumbent, but even still, there was some question from a receiving end whether or not he could be that guy. Um, you know, there it, it was it was open for you, and yet you now have emerged. What is it like in terms of the camaraderie and or the competition with the other tight ends? And what was defined for you in terms of what your role would be in terms of blocking versus receiving? Uh, I would definitely say the answer to the first question, the com- like camaraderie between all of us, uh, that's pretty great. It's just we all learn from each other. We all try to uh, improve every day, uh, get like 1% better every day. And that's the uh, biggest thing. We uh, we help each other. We piggyback off of each other, whatever we're doing. Uh, 
Moore has things that he's great at. Uh, Tyler has things that he as he was great at. Uh, when Drew was in the room, uh, Drew had things he was great at. And, uh, you know, I had things that I was really good at. But uh, we just try to piggyback off each other and pick each other's brain. And I feel like that helps the group in all and tries to elevate us as well. And then um, with the role situation, I would definitely say, you know, pretty much whatever Coach Frank or uh, Coach Brady tries to want to put me at, I just try to do my job as best as I can uh, wherever spot I'm in or whatever role they want me to do and just try to excel at it and get better. Jelani, obviously feel free to disagree. I, I felt like at times in training camp it was a little up and down, which, you know, for any rookie is probably to be expected. And then all of a sudden here you are in week three and Matt Ryan is looking your way at the most critical moment of the game. Uh, how would you describe your first NFL training camp and, and the growth that you've had since late July, early August? Uh, I would say, uh, I would definitely say uh, it was just, I wouldn't say like pressure, but just being consistent on a like consistent basis. Because um, with me, you know, since I'm backup or whatever, I have to learn, you know, the different spots and, um, you know, just try to like slow everything down for me. And, um, you know, like I said, I was getting I was getting better every day, just trying to uh, hone in on the different things that was coming my way and try to uh, master each thing. And, you know, during training camp, it's a lot, a lot of stuff compared to the season when it's more bro- broken down specifically or who we're going against. So it kind of just slows down a little bit and be, you being able to uh, hone in on exactly what to do and, and everything like that. So, uh, just being put in the different spots, of course, it kind of uh, mentally you can kind of get uh, a little slower and overthinking at times and things like things like that. But uh, you know, it all makes you better in the long run. Cause now I'm kind of understanding the whole offense at a more excelling rate than I would have if I didn't get that challenge. So um, I'm actually glad I went through that now because now I feel like I'm. 10 times more accelerated vision-wise, IQ-wise, and things like that. Which football would be more special to you, Jelani, on your mantle? Your first career touchdown or your first career game winner? Uh, i say I have to put them both both together because it's already hard to score in the NFL. And then and, and at the same time, being able to uh, kind of you know put the team on your back and kind of make a play. Uh, to win the game, uh, that's like kind of the same momentum as well. So uh, I I have to put the shells right by each other and put the balls right beside each other. As a pretty good problem to have, right? It is, yeah. <laughs> hey, this is easy, right? Um, as a team, what is your concern? When you look at your guys' football team, the Indianapolis Colts, what's the area that you feel you most need to shore up? Uh, I'll say right now, I wouldn't say we necessarily have a concern. We just need to uh, continue getting better and continue to um, hone in on the details because, you know, NFL is hard and people, I would say, uh, sometimes can overlook that. And, you know, we've been having pretty decent teams and teams can come out and, you know, throw jabs. And that's one thing that we talk about. It's a boxing match pretty much, and we go around for round. And uh, like we just had a, a 
motivational, like talk about how even Mike Tyson got knocked out, even like guys, you know, the most powerful guys got knocked out before. So it's just a constant fight to get better every day and to, you know, get everything clicking and working. I feel like that's what we're doing now. Uh, week by week, to practice every week, been really good in practice. It is, you know, when we get in the games, like I said, we hone in on the details and, you know, and tighten up and execute pretty much. Jelani, last one from me. Um, I would consider Tiger Woods my idol. I've never met Tiger. I've thought about meeting him, and I've thought to myself, as soon as I say hello, I'll probably say, I'm sorry my hands are so sweaty and I'm so nervous and I'm stuttering and I can't believe that I'm meeting you right now. Uh, did you have any of that in meeting Matt Ryan? Oh, definitely. It was, uh, I definitely say the first day I get a little shell shock, especially when he takes me on draft night. Uh, that was pretty much like the, cell, uh, like the shock right there as well. But uh, when I first got in the building, uh, we already talked a couple of times before that. So uh, seeing them, yeah, I had a little bit, but I already knew exactly real what to expect and, you know, his personality and everything like that. So I, it kind of calmed down, but it was awesome still at the end of the day. Now you're from Ellenwood, Georgia. Is that right? Yes. Now is that a suburb of Atlanta or is that a small town like way outside of Atlanta? Uh, it's like a suburb of Atlanta a little bit. It's probably, I think it's like eight minutes from downtown Atlanta. Are you the most famous graduate of your high school? Actually, I'm not. We got a couple guys that in my class that's uh, in the NFL now. So, uh, okay, I'm looking here. Marcus McNeil is that your class? No, Marcus McNeil is uh, way. Well, okay, me. Justin Schaffner. Yeah. Uh, Schaefer, yep, he's in or my Schaefer, class. sorry. Uh, yep. D'Angelo Malone. Yep, he's in my class. Oh, Dion Glover. I remember Dion Glover. Yep. The, well, Dion Glover was way... Well, he's way before you, I'm saying, but I remember him from when he was... I think he was at Georgia Tech, right? Yeah. Now, he's an old guy like me. He's, did you, didn't you he's have in like the a, too short era. You had like a state title duel, duel. Was it Davis Mills who you dueled with in a state championship game? Yeah, uh, I played him in it. He was a quarterback, uh, a little quarterback battle we had at state championship game my senior year. Do you think your dad's listening to the show right now, Jelani? I would definitely say he is. It, has he, it, does he say that he likes the show or doesn't like the show? Oh, Should boy, we be I, nervous? I'm nervous? Should we be nervous about him listening? Is he a critic? No, no, he's not. He's not not that type of person because he he loves to listen, no matter if it's good or bad. Uh, he's just the type of person. He supports everything. Uh, he's very loving. He's like um, outgoing. Like he definitely doesn't care at all he just loves to listen and he loves to see the opinions and he loves to uh, hear the uh you know good things about Indianapolis the Colts and just everything in general good for him I think when your dad that. comes for a game we need to have him in studio can he come in studio and just hang out with us he probably would knowing that <laughs> <laughs> we get some quack daddy oh, donuts yeah. and have them That's in, right. in oh, studio yeah. jelani congrats that had to be just an incredible moment not only the first touchdown early in the game but when matt ryan looked your way late and that was a really hell of a catch as well um to record the game winner so appreciate your time with us this morning hope indy treats you well stay healthy and good luck the rest of the year thank you appreciate it for having me thank you again to jelani wood seems like a good dude eddie i uh went up to him in the locker room today this is wednesday we did the interview on tuesday morning just thanked him we laughed about his dad his dad is a frequent listener it sounds yeah. like to our morning show so appreciate that and you know i i said this after the interview aired 
or after we did the interview live, I should say on Tuesday, and I'll reiterate it here, Eddie. There was a moment late at Grand Park where Nick Foles uh, was running the second team and Jelani Woods, I forget if it was a drop or if it was just kind of a, it almost seemed like one of those moments where it was a two-minute situation, Jelani Woods appeared to be pretty tired and just didn't run the route fully, major miscommunication, and it was probably like the fourth air in like six plays that the Colts had made, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you just hear Matt Ryan yell out, Jelani! Matt Ryan didn't do that a whole And all of a sudden it was kind of like, whoa, boy. If the starting quarterback's going to feel the need to do that with the second-team tight end, or I guess third-team tight end at that point, you know, behind Moali Cox and Kylan Granson, a couple of things popped in my head. One, he's very unhappy with him. Two, he probably is thinking to himself, I've got to count on this dude at some point this season. Mm-hmm. So credit to Matt Ryan, credit to Jelani Woods, and that's why I asked him the training camp question in there of, there were up and down moments out question for him at Grand Park. But now, week three of the season, for Matt Ryan to have the trust and for Jelani Woods to have earned some of that trust is pretty darn impressive. Because if you watch that play unfold, Michael Pittman, immediately the safety help goes over the top to Pittman. Yeah. There were other guys he could have gone to. It's not like there were other one-on-ones. I think Campbell and Pierce. Pierce was open, too. Yeah, I think Pierce, Pierce- honestly probably deserve the ball based off more openness if you will yeah um Jelani just naturally is so gifted that he that he's open um so I I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that there um so yes if we have player interviews on during the season I think we'll slide those into the podcast as well I like it I was hoping you guys would bring up Jelani Woods dad I was hoping Gregory Woods baby at first I thought god am I getting Manti Teo'd here is this really happening (laughs) um but yeah, I guess quickly to share the story, you know, someone called in earlier in the show. This is, you know, about a month ago and was like, man, you guys are you know, ripping on the Colts pass catchers. Can you imagine if one of their, you know, family members is listening to the show? And I first began with, well, uh, their son is in the NFL, so I'd like to think they could handle that and be <laughs> content with that and realize it's part of the business. And then I followed up and I'm like, Let's not act like Jelani Woods' dad is listening to our show. <laughs> and sure enough, in the YouTube chat, about five minutes later, hey, I'm Gregory Woods, just saying hi. I listen every day, and, you know, I just want to introduce myself. I'm like, dude, I am sorry, because I'm sure there's been some shit I've said that you just want to roll your eyes at. He was great. He's like, oh, all good, man. I know there's good and bad with it. I appreciate it. Also like, kind of funny that at the, out of all the players you could have named, you named All the players him. I could have named. Yeah. And this is right when the Teo documentary had come out. I was like, oh, boy, I'm getting catfish like none other. Yeah. I'm going to his Virginia bio to double-check his dad's name. <laughs> all this stuff. So, uh, Yes, Jelani seems like a great guy, which, again, you guys know full well. I say that about a lot of Colts, but I genuinely mean it. Uh, let's hop into Twitter questions. First one comes from Josh. Uh, signing like a broken record, but I must ask. Uh, Ibrufloos had this cycle where we would play a top-five quarterback and he would change up the scheme and it would work well. See the 2019 Chiefs game, for example. But then he would revert back to JV schemes and allow average to bad quarterbacks to carve up the defense. Bradley kind of did the same thing against Mahomes. Are we going to see another reversion back to porous zone coverage against Tannehill? Yeah, Josh, it's a fair question. Um, you know, Kansas City is super unique. I'm not breaking news with that. And my thing with defense is, you know, you can have your core beliefs, your core coverages, your core philosophies, 
but you've got to be able to adapt week to week. And obviously the game plan for this week should be nowhere near similar to what you had for Kansas City. Frankly, I don't know if you can go with two different teams in back-to-back weeks and go from Kansas City to Tennessee. Having said that, you know, this is something to keep an eye on is just, you know, do we see variety? Do we see, you know, Gus Bradley's history facing Mahomes probably aids you a lot more than, honestly, just the history in the other AFC West teams you're going to play. I mean, Denver, it's a new head coach. The Raiders, it's obviously a new head coach. So it's not like Gus has a ton of history facing two of those teams. The Chargers, it's a little bit more similar. Um, I will say this, and I, I want to echo what I said on Monday. Credit to Gus Bradley for being so willing early in the season, playing a quarterback like that, to change up the defensive back personnel. I mean, he made some bold mm-hmm. moves in benching Nick Cross, inserting Rodney McLeod. Then when Julian Blackman gets hurt, he bumps Rodney Thomas, the second, over several others. Um, obviously, the Isaiah Rodgers playing time increase. That's the stuff that kind of gives me hope. I don't you know this might sound you know unfair, and you know I, I definitely had an opinion of Eberflus. I felt like at times you had reached your ceiling as a defense. I don't think we saw enough of that. Of like when guys are struggling or you feel like change needs to be made, you don't wait an extra two or three weeks to do that. Once you believe that a change needs to be made, make it. Week or- three, Patrick Mahomes. No issue there. Or if you want to see somebody like a Rodney Thomas, see how he does when he's thrown into the fire against uh, a very complex offensive scheme like Kansas City. Why not? Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, This is from Flippin. Uh, What is going on with DeForest Buckner? Doesn't seem like he is uh, wrecking games as much as he was in year one or the beginning of last year. Is it double teams or just less effective? Thanks. Yeah, you know, Flip and I think you have that timetable right. I'm sure the numbers would back that up. You know, if you look at Buckner year one, started last year, that probably holds true. I don't think – I think he has one tackle for loss this season, a couple QB hits. I felt like on Sunday, Eddie, there were times where I noticed him a good amount, though. Not box score, but mm-hmm. just noticed him. And, again, when you get Mahomes off your spot, like we talked about on Monday, that's so vital. Um, He's been battling a little bit of an injury to start the year, too. Was it hip? Yeah, it was like hip or thigh or somewhere in that He was observing region. today at, at the start of practice. It's very rare to see him miss practice. Um, yeah, was it back kind of early in camp? He was on the pitch count. Um, so to your point, yes, Buckner, I think, is a little bit physical, yeah, is a little bit more attention. But I, I do think, and I don't know, I, I, I think you should want and expect a little more out of him. You know, he is paid – like he should be in that group right behind Aaron Donald, like mm-hmm. right there. And insert Chris Jones, whoever else that you want to put in that group. But that is the group that he believes he should be in. And financially, you are paying him like that. And he probably has been on like the backside of that group. So um, you should want a little bit more from him. Agreed. Uh, this comes from my friend Alec. Uh, thoughts on the tight end room's development. So this is just like Pierce, right? We're going Alec, not Alex? Correct. Alec, yes. Uh, thoughts on the tight end room's development with Granson doing well and getting separation, uh, Woods becoming the red zone threat, and Mo primarily being an inline blocker, just like Jack Doyle. Uh, looked like a weak room at the beginning of the year, but now looks like it could be a skilled group um, as the year goes on. You know, skill is a good word to use. There are skills in that room, without question. There's some skills you can't teach in that room. But as I said throughout the offseason, you wanted to make sure that it still can be a boring group. 
it can still do the little stuff. Mm -hmm. It can pick up a chip. It can be reliable in short yardage. It can get the third and four over the middle. That's, you know, I I hear where Alex's going with this, and I do think there are some skill sets you like. I mean, when you draft them where you drafted them, I mean, Mo or Mo obviously wasn't drafted, but Jelani in third round, Kylan in the fourth round, you expect, I mean, third and fourth round tight ends, you expect them to be mainstays for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's also important to see if any of these guys can become versatile guys too, Eddie, to where they're on the field and you're not tipping your hand, to where you know, Granson becomes a little bit of a better blocker. You know, Woods, you know, Allie Cox, honestly, probably has been the one that's lacked in the receiving game mm-hmm. the most out of those three early on. That's what I think what made Doyle so effective. Base personnel, nickel personnel, he could be equally as effective. Um, so I, I, I think that is something um, to continue to watch, but a little bit too early for me just to crown the tight end group just yet but there have been you know particularly with Granton and Woods some uh, some nice moments I will bang on the uh, Kylan Granton drum to get him the football more until until it happens because I think he I think he's skilled when he gets the ball in his hands uh, this comes from Jay uh, in previous seasons Grover Stewart will come out on passing downs and be replaced by Autry uh, Taekwon or Dio um, is this something that is still occurring this season? If not, is this something that should be ex- uh, explored since Grover has been the most consistent good player for the Colts this season? Um, I- I'd like to see Grover on the field on a few more pass downs, you know, to be honest with you. Did you see you can get his wings, his kitchen sink wings at the game on Sunday? No. Oh, yeah. I, re- I retweeted it yesterday. I think it's outside a section like 118 or and 500, I think we got two portable locations. I might have to see if my parent or my mom can get me some and bring them home. Dude, I'm like, I'm walking down from the press box. Screw the press box food. I want to go get some Grover Stewart wings, baby. Yeah. Um, he is coming off the field, to be fair. I think it's Tyquan Lewis that's been the most active. You know, Eddie, they're not rotating a lot on the D-line. Mm-hmm. Their actions speak enough of what they think of their D-line depth. Uh, Tyquan, Dio, Dangbo would be the first two up. Uh, but I think there's chances to rush Grover a little bit. His playing time has not really shifted too much, right around 60%. Obviously, you want to find that balance with him. But, man, dude, he's just hes just not a space eater. He just he sheds, and he gets in the backfield, and he sets up shop in the backfield. He looks like just a big old bear that's just <laughs> coming to your campsite in the woods. Big and he's Grover. just like, here I am. My name's Grover. Do you have any wings? <laughs> Barbecue. I'd love to try and impersonate a Southern draw, but that would fail miserably. I know. Uh, That's my favorite. One of my favorite things about him. <laughs> you know, Eddie. Something I want to point out too about Grover. And I don't know. Maybe this is a direct comment about some other guys on the roster. He signed that extension in 2020, and he's ascended as a player since then. Mm-hmm. You don't often see that. I think at times you don't often see that from big dudes. No. Maybe I'm stereotyping a little bit there, but. Uh, I do think what the Colts felt like when they signed Grover to that extension, and similar to Buckner in, in a way, you know, interior defensive linemen can really reach their peak late 20s. You know, some positions maybe start to wane, running back, obviously, as they reach 30. I think they feel like interior defensive linemen, you can still play at a really high level mm-hmm. at that. So he's due for an extension, I think, in 24. After next season, yeah. He's playing like this, that you extend him next next offseason. Like, he, he deserves that and how he's playing right now. That's a 
question further down the road about sure. cap space and everything on how to shed cap to make stuff like that happen. But sure. uh, we got to move on here. Dallas and Zach. Uh, also, congratulations, Dallas. First question on the pod. It's just very similar to Zach's. We just looped you two guys together. Um, after watching Danny Pinner get steamrolled, what are your thoughts on starting Bernard Ryman at left tackle and moving prior to right guard? Hope you, Maddie, Rosie, and Max are all doing well. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. And we got a couple questions on this. You know, Pryor has more experience, Eddie, in the NFL on the right side, ironically enough, than the left side. Now, some questions I would have is he trained all offseason long to get ready for the left side. He slimmed down a little bit in the offseason. So, you know, does he have the same guard body that he had primarily in years past? And, you know, part of me is just like, gosh, how many musical chairs do you want to play? You know, if you're moving prior over, then all of a sudden it's either Bernard Ryman or it's Dennis Kelly at left mm-hmm. tackle. Ryman, of course, has never started in the NFL, and Dennis Kelly primarily has been a right tackle. Um, you know, if you're going to do something, again, in my mind, it's like, all right, do you put Kelly at left tackle? Do you put prior at right guard? As of now, I think you view the situation as, okay, how do we stop the bleeding? Has anybody asked about Kelly coming in? Um, the, Dennis Kelly? No, not specifically. I think the only personnel question so far has been if they would bench Pinter. And Reich said no, nothing imminent on that front. For what it's worth, I didn't see Ryan Kelly at practice at the start on Wednesday. Obviously, it's not ideal to have a guy that's important in communication miss your first day of practice. Um, so I think it's just something to keep an eye on. But, it, you know, again, Eddie, to me it's like, okay, how do you stop the bleeding? You're still going to bleed a little, mm-hmm. but how do you stop it? How do you get the best Band-Aid possible? And I can just hear Rosie yelling for Band-Aids. I can <laughs> say this out loud when, oh, I got my 13th boo-boo of the day. I'm like, God, you just play 60 minutes of football at daycare? How do you stop the most bleeding? Get the freaking communication sound. Get on the same page. Get on the same page. And I think that's your most effective way right now. Yeah. Because if you start doing musical chairs and shuffling, now – you could have more communication issues. And yeah. you st- it's not like they have these veterans waiting in the wings. I guess a little bit of Dennis Kelly, but a Will Fries, a Bernard Ryman, it's not like those guys have played significant snaps in the league. Right. This one comes from Mamba. He sent this to me on Twitter. Uh, if you guys want to submit questions to me on Twitter, um, I am at Eddie Garrison underscore. He is the Las Vegas Raiders of the Fantasy Football League. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way. There we go. <laughs> He's the only 0-3 team in the Fantasy Football League, by the way. Well, you know, Eddie, I was the one that had the Raiders to the Super Bowl. Uh, That's tough, Kevin. (laughs) I had Bill's Rams. It's also tough losing to the guy who helps produce the pod who had a guy who was hurt in his lineup that didn't play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could have brought that up on Monday. I know. Yeah, when you didn't have Keenan Allen in there and I saw I still lost, I'm like, this probably sums up my fantasy football career. (laughs) Uh, Mamba's question was, if you could change the start of the season for us, would you? Meaning we must stay at 1-1-1 but switch who we lost to, tied to, and won against. As always, love the show and love what you guys do for us. Go Colts, and we actually beat the Chiefs and won a home opener. <laughs> it's wild how the season has unfolded so far. Mamba, thank you for those kind words. Uh, hell yeah, I'd be switching the Chiefs. When did the Jacksonville win? Emotionally, did the Chiefs win matter more? I, I don't know. Maybe it did, but... I'm all about math and trying to end a division drought that extends back to 2014, and that means you would have beaten the team that I think right now is probably viewed as the biggest threat in the division. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I would say you would take out the Chiefs' win, keep the Texans' tie. Uh, you'd rather lose to Kansas City. You, you'd rather lose to the non-divisional team. Because, again, tiebreaker, and I feel weird even saying this in September, but I will, it goes from head-to-head to divisional record. Yeah. That's the start of the divisional tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. So that's why the math is important there. I know we're running a little low on time uh, yeah. for the pod. So is there a question you'd like me to move on to uh, that you got that you would specifically like to talk about here? Um, I, you know, I know some people are questioning kind of Shaquille Leonard's absence. I, I, I think it's felt via turnovers. You know, yeah. when you look at the lack of turnovers right now, I, I think Patrick asked that. I would point to it. Um, you know, we, we got into Leonard a little bit on Tuesday's show, Eddie, but I will – Say for this crew, and I know I talked about it on Monday, if I had to boil it down to kind of one thing with Shaquille in right now, he doesn't feel comfortable at 80 or 90%. He doesn't want to be out there at 80 or 90%. Yep. There are, we can get more into this a little bit down the road, maybe when he makes his official return. Um, but yeah, yeah, we probably should go rapid fire here. Bailey won Eric Fisher at right guard. Yeah, it's not happening. Uh, Connor about trick plays. Yeah, Frank doesn't do a ton of trickery, right? And I guess when you watch what Andy Reid did with Mahomes last week, what was that like a a like a little swing pass? They threw it back to Mahomes, and then he threw it for like 15 yards. I'm like, God, that seems a lot of. You're seeing a lot more plays like that where it's like you throwbacks, some, throwbacks. Yeah, you put somebody in jet in motion from left to right or right to left. You do let the little touch pass, and then you've got another guy coming from the opposite direction, hands it off to him. He gets it back to the quarterback, and the quarterback does whatever it was. I've seen a lot of it in college, mm-hmm. and I forget who implemented it first in the NFL. Now it's it was in like week one, and now I've seen it like every week since. You know, it's so funny if the Colts come out and run a flea flicker or some sort of trick play on Sunday, and it works. It'll be like that is just genius so good and if it doesn't work it'll be that's so stupid why was he trying to be cute yeah uh one other one real quick how about um, the eddie one asking for the mvp yeah 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 and that special teams mvp matt hawk oh i thought it was team mvp he was saying uh no but is hawk the teams MVP? i think he meant like special teams oh i thought he was saying the overall team uh in all seriousness i'd probably put him up there for team mvp so far uh, you know, again, Matt Hawk and Chase McLaughlin, Eddie. You imagine back in early August, you're saying those two will be critical to winning. Uh, you know, beating the um, beating the Chiefs there. <laughs> oh, and Big Bama, do you think the Colts have found something in going with the play action pass and playing off of Jonathan Taylor? Boy, play action's got to be a must. It, it, it has to be a must to kind of tap into um, whatever you're trying to get out of the receiving game. Uh, I think that's critical. I guess one other note on Leonard is I know some people are asking, you know, why surgery in June versus January? It goes back to what I've said all along about how weird and I guess the inability to properly diagnose the injury. And I'm not like sitting here acting like they should have diagnosed it better. Uh, It's medical stuff. I have no idea. It's super difficult um, to do and it's way above my, my pay grade. But, I mean, I remember Shaquille Leonard sitting up there in, I guess it would have been late May, saying, I think we're good in terms of the procedure route. He had already had two cleanups, I think, Mm -hmm. and he felt like they were good. And then three weeks later, he's having back surgery. And this is where, you know, I, I made this comment, there are Andrew Luck elements to this injury. 
I am not saying for one second that I believe Shaquille Leonard is going to retire from the game of football tomorrow. Look at the video from Sunday. Oh boy, he was fired up, wasn't he? Guy, yeah, you just love his energy. Um, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying in the oddness of the injury, the inability to properly find the right remedy for the injury, the admittance from the player that said injury and some other stuff has impacted things uh, in just the genuine love that that player has for football, which Leonard said in the spring, that is similar as well. It's a star player. And their absence, again, today was 12 straight practices for Leonard. 99.9% of guys that practice 12 straight days play in the football game. But, as I tried to sum it up earlier, right now, winning football, 80-90%, to 90%, he does not feel totally confident being out there. How many training camp practices are there? There are 16, so he's approaching that. Yeah, that's where I kind of was going. All righty, uh, what is your prediction for Sunday? I'm going 30-20 Colts. What do you like? Don't hate me for this one. I'm going Colts 17 to 7. Whoa. Jeez, that's boring as hell. I don't want to be at that game. I know, but look at these two offenses, man. Like yeah, Colts defense good. really good against the rush. Titans pass offense not good. Titans defense supposed to be pretty good. Colts are So you're hammering the under. I am hammering the under. Uh at Wednesday's practice, the guys that I did not see, Taylor, Kelly, Gilmore, Blackman, Buckner was observing, like I said earlier. Just let's just monitor that. You know, I'm not Acting like you know, any of them are definitely going to miss, but those are obviously some notable names on that list. Uh, he's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. We'll be back, I guess, mo- just Monday, right? Oh, let's do Monday, Friday next week. Copy. Monday recap Tennessee, Friday recap the Thursday nighter in Denver. Everybody have a great week, great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.